Jeebrews, what are we going to do tonight? The same thing we do every night. Record the TriTac Games podcast. Tritac Games Podcast. Do you got your imagination caps on? I hope so. Make sure they're all nice and tight. Turn the dial up to 11 and get ready for some imagination. Off we go to those fun folks at the Tritac Games. Here they are. This is Bruce. This is John. This is Trab. This is Richard. Welcome to the Tritac Games Podcast. Your podcasts are creating awesome games, and we don't think there's anything funny about that. Nope, 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 nothing funny around here. (laughs) (laughs) This week, we're talking about adventuring in a Toon universe and what that can be. Now, the reason this is important and fringeworthy is because there is an actual world that's listed as being a Toon world, uh, which means it's in a Toon universe where the laws of physics in that universe are tune laws and tune physics, and the creatures that live in there are tunes. We're going to talk about that, and we have Trav here to give us what is it that it says exactly in our portal guide in Fringeworthy about that world. Okay, this would be negative 9 alt 6, and it's listed as tune world. Sometimes violent but intelligent life forms who seem to enjoy having wild fun with less tough life forms. Little common ground has been found to communicate with adult iDead explorers. There are a huge number of animal-like species here as well as mutants and near-humanoids. The population is amazingly resilient to damage, heal very fast, and disease-free. In the Fringeworthy game, since we travel the, the fringe paths to alternate Earths and other realities, this is one of the places we can go to. We've talked about this in some of our other podcasts, which may drop before or after this particular episode, where you could possibly take tunes from a tune universe like this and bring them back to Earth and use them possibly as shock troops against an invading force or on other worlds. So the possibilities of tunes interacting outside their universe or explorers going into their universe are quite a few. In the near future, mankind will discover something that will change him forever. An ancient portal system to millions of worlds. Built by a civilization of advanced alien beings, now lost to the ravages of an interdimensional war. He will venture forth into the fringes of space and time to find alternate Earths and alien worlds, where he will find the wondrous bounty of knowledge as to who he was and what he might become. He will also find danger at every turn as he encounters hostile societies, alien beings, and the insidious Miller. Fringeworthy, the tabletop game of interdimensional adventure, is now available for a D20 system and coming soon to Savage Worlds. 
Action and adventure await you as you explore through the interdimensional fringes of space to an infinite number of new worlds. Your characters will face danger and excitement around every corner. Sail with Blackbeard on the Seven Seas. Journey to a steampunk Victorian age. Fight the Soviets in an 80s America that lost the Cold War. Travel to an alternate future and witness a supernova from the bridge of a starship, and then battle it out with blasters and plasma swords. Use any D20 setting you already own, or invent your own. Check out the French Woody Podcast at tritaxsystems.podbean.com to find out more. Whether you've never heard of Fringeworthy or have been playing it for the past 25 years, the Fringeworthy Podcast will entertain and inform you of all the cool stuff you can do with the most all-encompassing setting ever written. Every week, we'll take you on a tour of the fringes of space and give you tips on how to game in this fantastic multiverse. We discuss adventure ideas for the game masters and how to keep your team of characters alive for the players. Go to tritaxsystems.podbean.com and take a listen. You can also find us on iTunes under keyword Fringeworthy. A million, million worlds await you. Music by Herminster, available on iTunes. So the first thing we want to talk about then is what they're not. We agreed before we started that tunes are not superhero cartoons. So Superman is out and a lot of those other ones. They're also not anime because anime has their own kind of, I don't know, not style, but they have their own rules. Most they're they're very realistic except for where things are super powered or supernatural and stuff like that. So we're talking more toward the Tex Avery, of course, the more recent Animaniacs, Bullwinkle and Rocky, Alvin and the Chipmunks. But even that's a little bit more realistic. But lots of things where things are really crazy. Uh, Tom and Jerry. Hanna-Barbera. Mostly Hanna-Barberas are, are that way. Sure. The Toon world is where the laws of physics and reality aren't quite what we would call reality. Uh, Bruce, may I ask one question? Sure. This being negative nine alt six, I would assume that this would this world would have been found late in the early campaign or very early in the middle campaign, perhaps. Why? Well, just to give a general range of the Fringeworthy canon timeline where optimally this could be role-played, because it's like, I think, plus the negative five is in, like, the first couple years mm-hmm. of timeline. So I'm just wondering. Just I put positive six to negative six in my early campaign, uh, another 10 to 20 out for the middle campaign. So the early middle campaign. Okay, all right. I was just wondering. I'm just curious about that. And it also depends on whether or not you get your hands on a fringe train, because if you do then really there's no distance that's impossible. It's just the matter of luck of going to the right portal. Maybe you'd run across a fringe gypsy who would say, oh, yeah, you know, about 40, 50 platforms out, there's some crazy stuff out there that you guys ought to go check out. If it sounds really, really interesting, you might be willing to make that kind of an expedition because you've got that kind of background information that's been gifted to you by someone who's already been there. But if you're just traveling from your own explorations, then I think that it would definitely be something more toward the middle campaign. Okay, I know you said no superheroes, but that still does not prevent us from actually having superheroes. Because where do you put Popeye? Is he toonish or is he realistic? I hate to say he fits in more in the toon stuff than he does in the realistic stuff. I agree. Yeah. A can of spinach would just be devastating. I can see Popeye popping a can of spinach, and you have pirates guarding the main portal. You had pirates guarding the main portal after he eats the spinach. (laughs) 
after he punches in the side of the tank. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that's quite possible. And there are a lot of items that are in Toon universes that let people do crazy stuff. I mean, the whole Roadrunner thing, the stuff that he does with riding rockets and spring catapults and all kinds of things like that, or, you know, those are way over what the power that they should have. Yep. Oh. Acme leg muscle vitamins. Yeah, I mean, yeah. What I remember that his, his legs turned into huge, massive Arnold Schwarzenegger muscles. I just remembered another good source for uh, this type of game world. Mm-hmm. The Farscape episode Revenging Angel, where John Crichton had a, a near-fatal head injury, and in order to cope with possibly not dying and the neural clone of Scorpius mm-hmm. interacting with him, it was a cartoon landscape where Dargo was chasing him, and it was a lot of Road Runner esque, yeah, stuff. So that could be another example, a more modern example of this type of tune world. This just hit me just now, and it's bad because Farscape's my favorite show. I shouldn't use this yeah. right off the bat. Plenty of examples of people getting put into TV land, which inv- invariably ends them up in a cartoon show when they're in. You know, they get blasted into the TV. And now they're going through various shows, game shows, war war movies, and then it gets stuck in a tune. The, that's another possibility. I mean, which means it's not necessarily fringe worthy. This could be Bureau Thirteen as well. Oh yeah, oh, oh definitely. It just that since we had a tune world there, we thought we'd talk about it from the the standpoint of the explorers from Earth Prime doing that. If you go to the tune world and you go through the portal, there are two possibilities that I see uh, happening. One is that you don't actually go through. It's a mind transfer. You end up in a tune body, and therefore, you, there, you know, the whole question of whether you can survive or there or not is moot. If, if your tune body person, whatever, can survive in that world, then you will, because you're really inhabiting a standard Denzian of that particular universe. It does mean, though, the tunes probably can't leave. Right. That would be so. Unless the tunes inhabit a fringe-worthy mind. Well, there's that, but then, you know, what happens when they, if it's a mind transfer portal? Doesn't it work both ways? You know, it's never come up. No, we've never talked about that, Richard. See, we have Richard Tohoka here, so maybe he can answer that question. Yeah, here we go. If you go to a world in which you're doing mind transfers into the world, if, the per- if there's a person on the other side who's fringe-worthy, when they go through the portal onto the fringe path, do they mind transfer onto an explorer on the fringe path? Or it's going to be an equal exchange. So four people who go through end up still on the path, but they have the minds of the tunes, and the other four, so you, you may have something really bad on the way out. All these characters suddenly discovering they have genitalia. <laughs> Oof. You haven't seen Fritz the Cat, which is a tune. I don't mean that in a, in a dirty way. I mean, just the fact is that now they're going to have to eliminate, now they're going to have to eat on a regular basis. I mean, there's all these, well, you know, we're going to talk about that later, about the physics in the tune world and how they're different. They still get hungry. The mind transfer is the safest, cleanest way of doing it. And it, it is, solves all kinds of problems as far as of how long you can be there and whether or not, you know, you're going to have an external reality interacting with their tune reality and, and having to deal with it. Because it's just one reality when you do a mind transfer. But the other possibility is where you come through... As a physical form, uh, you get translated into the Toon universe, and you have two possibilities. You can either be two-dimensional in a two-dimensional world, or you can be three-dimensional 
in a two-dimensional world. You're looking at uh, Ralph Bakshi in, uh, what was that movie? Cool, cool World. Cool World, which was yeah. wonderful. Right. Well, I would say it's two, two-dimensional plus one, which is not the same thing as three, because you can walk off to the distance and come back, but it's not the same as three-dimensional. I know it sounds strange, but it's the way they're drawn. Let's see, uh, Cool World, uh, Brad Pitt, Kim Basinger? Yes. Okay, I just want to make sure. In that, you have a, a man who's, after World War II, 1945, he goes through a portal into the Cool World, which is an animated universe. And while he's there, he is still three-dimensional. Whenever he gets into a car, the car becomes three-dimensional to accommodate him. It drives around using the pr- proper perspective. But then when he gets out of the car, the car becomes a stand-up. It's just it's simple flat. He looks on one side of it, but he doesn't see the other, he doesn't see the other side of it or the three dimensionality you'd expect, unless of course he walks around the other side and then he sees the other side just like it's flat. And if he goes up to a door, he, he knocks on the door, he opens the door, and the walls of the building are like inches thick because they're not real; they're only made out of paint. It's like he's walking around with uh, a world filled full of stand-up objects. There's a table. It's in the perspective of you looking at the table, but when you get closer, you can see this only so much. But if he reaches out and interacts with an object, it becomes three-dimensional for him to do so. I mean, you also could look at, too, where everything is three-dimensional, but it looks two-dimensional just because it's it's – it's that strange form of lighting, tune lighting, if you want to call it. It looks, you look at something, it looks, it looks two-dimensional, but you still got to walk to the wall. You still, you still got to walk and, and cover distance. Right. That perspective would be very, very disconcerting until you get used to it. It may be where the human mind is just like, okay, this is like non-Euclidean geometry, almost Cthulhu, where I am just, my mind is not grasping this very well. And it would take a while for your eyes to get used to that. You'd end up misjudging the sense. And... Yeah. 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 Perspective, right. is, yeah. Kind perspective of is kind of shot in this world. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, and that's, and that's an easy way of dealing with the two dimension and the three dimensionality. Uh, the other way is just to simply uh, ignore it and just say, you just look like you're three dimensional with, with all these tunes around, and they, they notice that you look weird. But you know, because you're human, mm-hmm. you know, and you're 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 three dimensional, and they're not. Uh, it it may give you some big advantages, or uh, and and maybe some big disadvantages, uh, because you're not going to be able to uh, warp yourself the way that that tunes can. Uh, and you know, there's it, it, uh, they have a lot of. Tunes go through a lot of changes of physiality. They, 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 their arms are, can be longer or shorter depending upon what they're doing. Uh, sometimes it seems like they take advantage of the force perspective. You may or may not be able to do some of the things that they do, and we'll be talking about that when we get into the tune physics. You may still be using the same physics. You should actually be using the same physics you came with, but it may not be so. Some of the movies we watched, which was Cool World, who... Framed Roger Rabbit, The Mask. Oh God, I forgot all about that one too. Yeah, that that one is probably the closest to a live action tune I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because he he did all the shticks that they did in in, in, in most of the Tex Avery cartoons. Oh yeah. <laughs> if you're the person going into the tune world, you should be limited in that regard. And there are big advantages to you as a three dimensional creature in the two dimensional world too. 
We'll get to that a little later. Say there's a ring station there. You step through. The ring station looks like a ring station. It does not look like a tuna ring station because it's not really, you know, as we said, it, it's something that's a bit extra-dimensional in, 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 its, in its construction. And I would also think Crystal Keys always look like Crystal Keys and never like a tune of a Crystal Key. Yeah, the, uh, the, the Termellern tech would stay the same, I would imagine. Yeah. Well, it is extra-dimensional. Yeah. Because you can't touch it. When you think you're touching the ring, you're actually touching the interface, the, the warp space that is actually around the ring. I agree. It would actually still look like a normal ring, which, of course, would gain it a lot of attention because it would look different than everything else in the world. Now, if you stayed too long in the uh, Toon world, what do you think would happen, guys? Richard? If you stay too long, maybe you'll start to enjoy the world you won't want to go home. But I don't see any reason that you can't, the world will change you. But then again, back she stated flatly that if, you, if you, a human being is killed by a toon, they become a toon. That's cool world rules. Well, what about, say, uh, Looney Tunes? Would that be the case? This is a very altered reality, Richard, where you have a three-dimensional person intruding into two-dimensional space. You know, once that reality bubble runs out, what do you think would happen? Either you're ejected from the world or you become part of the world. So you'd become two-dimensional too? It could be, but the question is what happens when, if the two-dimensional person then tries to get out of the world? What do you think? We haven't seen any IDET vehicles made out of tunes heading down the pathways yet. Yet. <laughs> I would say that once you got absorbed into the reality, then you'd, it'd be the same thing as what we're going to talk about next, which are tunes coming to Earth Prime. Because this is a tune universe, and this is touching on tune physics just a little bit. The bubble doesn't just wear off and all of a sudden poop. No, the bubble fades out. So you'll start walking along. And I, have, I have a hunch that the bubble does not fade out, but the person has to be killed to change the bubble or change the reality. The rules are always different for every universe. Cool world, yes. You probably have to be killed to be turned into a tune. In Looney Tunes, is that the case? Or you just simply, you become a tune. Slowly, you know, you walk along all of a sudden, high layer, how's everything going? What, what, what am I talking like this for? I don't know. <laughs> I would like to think that you keep a lot of your reality to you. Become an animated version of yourself. You would look like an animation cell of your character, I would think. If that universe has humans characters well it does it's a near humanoid so i would assume you would probably become as close to your form as possible yeah i would say this is this the looney tune universe so there's humans and animals you know, working together but say this was disney like uh um any of the disney uh ducktales like that there are no humans in ducktales you would probably become an anthropomorphic version of whatever it is if it were ducktail it would be a humanoid duck if it were Disney, you would end up being a mouse or a dog. Or There's ducks, there's bears, there's dogs, there's all kinds of critters. You probably would turn into where it matches your personality best, I would imagine. But Trav is right. There are animals that are tunes that act like animals, and then there are animals that act like humans, much along the animals with a capital A in Oz or Hardware Hinterland. Or they might be an anthropomorphic version, like Goofy. He's a dog, but he's really a, he's also a person. And then you yeah. have Pluto, which is cartoon dog. dog. 
I mean, he doesn't even talk. And don't forget that Goofy isn't unique. He's part of a whole society of that type of creature. Yeah, the, the cartoon Goof Troop, yes. But, for example, you have Tweety, who is uh, very much a, a small bird with an exceptionally large head, and, <laughs> but it's clearly human intelligence versus somebody like Pluto, who is dog intelligence, maybe a little bit higher than dog intelligence. He, he can understand human words very well, but it doesn't mean that he's ever going to be sitting down with a book. <laughs> so let's talk about tunes coming out of the work. Let's say you have some fringeworthy tunes, or you turn into a tune and say, hey, I want to come back to Earth Prime, but you're now a tune. So when you come out, what are the possibilities? You know, how are you going to be represented in our now three-dimensional space? I yeah. would hope that if the GM wasn't being a raging jerk, that you would just revert back to your normal human form. I mean, that would be the simplest, easiest. Or you could be, you would be flesh, but you would be cartoon-looking, which means you may have an oversized head or oversized eyes or big ears. Or you look like Roger Rabbit did in, when he was outside of Toontown. You have shading and you have depth, but you you are also a tune, you know. And you come out and you slowly will revert back to what you should be. I mean, the bubble works both ways. I don't particularly think it's a bad thing for you to come back out and be a tune because if you like that, if you liked having been transformed into a tune, then the GM's not doing you a disservice. If he is doing it to be mean, then yeah, the game's about fun. If you've been converted to a tune on Toon World, and then you decide, okay, I do want to go home, and you talk about it with your GM saying, I want to stay a tune outside of Toon World, that's going to bring a lot of things into play. We will talk about that in Toon Physics later. Yeah, that would be very interesting. That would certainly change the campaign. Yeah. So one of the versions is, is that you basically come out as a 3D representation. Uh, as much like Homer, when he went through that special wall and became a 3D Homer, you'd come out through the portal and be a 3D version of your 2D self on in Tune World. Yeah, or like Roger Rabbit. Or Rocky and Bullwinkle. Or Rocky and Bullwinkle, yeah. You're three-dimensional, but you're all tunified. Right. They're plotting big trouble for Moose and Squirrel. Right. There's another possibility, which uh, I've never seen anybody do, and I think it's a great idea, and that is that you come through, but you're only two-dimensional. And that means that you are attached to a surface. You come through, and you're on the fringe path, on the surface of the platform. Or you could go over and slide up on the side of the vehicle. People could be talking to you, and you would be like a window into a, a tune space on the side of the vehicle, like a, a motion picture was running on the side of your vehicle. You'd be two-dimensional still in the three-dimensional space, but only being two-dimensional. I'm really not seeing it. It's a paper. Yeah. Actually, this was done in 1963, Outer Limits, the episode Behold Eck, about a, something that immediately comes into this universe and shears through a building, basically. It's a, it's a two-dimensional object. Oh, that would be another thing where tune physics would... We will talk about that later. But if you were in this two-dimensional state like this, you could see 180 degrees. You could only see so far straight forward. If you wanted to see really the front of the vehicle, you'd have to go up and curve around so you were on the front of the vehicle so you could look forward. You know, as a GM, I probably would never do that because that's just... 
weird. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's not stretch ourselves here, John. <laughs> no, no, no. Because the characters are never actually really 2D because they can turn they can turn their head when they're and look around. So they actually they're not really 2D. They're simply represented on a 2D surface, but they still have the ability to turn their head, turn around, move about. You know, have limbs that are that are behind them. You know, you always see them in profile, which means their their one arm that's that's behind them can go behind them, and come back forward again. Which means they're not really 2D, but they're just they're being just being projected onto 2D. Yeah, John, but they're in a 3D universe. That's the difference. Yeah, that's why I'm, I, I would I probably would de- default to they come out 3D. Well, that, that's up to you, John. But let's just take a little bit of time and think about the possibilities of two dimensionality in a three dimensional world. We're talking the book Flatland as an RPG. Flatland is, is an RPG. Marcus Rowland put it out. You can actually play uh, two-dimensional creatures. We're forgetting another source, tuned by Steve Jackson Games. Right. If you go into the tune world and you want to stay there as a tune and everything is tune, I would just basically pull out tune at that point. If you're going to be sending your players to the tune-verse, where physics is different, well, you might as well use a different rule system as well. That's up to the GM. I mean, they may be very happy using their current system. But I definitely would say use the book, get a copy of Tune, just because they'll cover a lot of the different Tune differences in reality and stuff like that that we won't be covering here. Yeah, they have uh, things that a Tune can do, and they're called... Shticks. Shticks. Yes. And you get like four or five things that your Tune character can do constantly. It would be... What's the term? Um, very appropriate to have that as source material if you were running an adventure in a tune world. You may not have to transfer to tune, and I'm not sure if it's tune is its own separate game system or if it uses the GURP system. It's been a while since I've read the book, but having that book would certainly help in yeah, this yeah. instance, if only to plot out the NPCs for the for that particular adventure into tune world. So. I'm not sure if there are any other cartoon-based role-playing games that we could reference here. Tune is the only one I can think of, other than maybe playing Zorcerer Zoe, uh, which then that case becomes uh, Franklin Bass uh, 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 claymation characters. <laughs> oh, dear God. Magic going to a claymation universe. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> okay, let's continue with this idea of two-dimensionality in the 3D world and say they come back to Earth Prime. Do remember the episode of, of Outer Limits, and the creature actually could also just stand up and not be projected on any flat surface, but he would be totally two-dimensional, which means you stand off to his side, you don't see him until you get a little perspective on him, then you can see his flat surface. Right. You could do it that way, and that, and I've, I've seen people do that where they turn sideways and disappear. But if you were, in fact, limited to being on surfaces... You know, it doesn't mean that you can't do a lot of really cool stuff. First of all, is that because you're two-dimensional, you perceive the world two-dimensionally, even though that you can go around a three-dimensional surface. So, for example, is if you had a building, let's say, five blocks away, you're on a building closer up, you move over and, he, and you could move off the edge of your building and onto that building five blocks away as if there was no intervening distance. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you could move very quickly if you wanted to through either through an area by basically making use of the fact that there is no for you uh, in the three dimensional 
perspective doesn't really exist because to you it's all two-dimensional. You know, it's like the camera does not see distance. That's why they can do cute stuff where a guy goes and swings his fist at the bad guy and the bad guy goes and jerks back and falls down as if he's hit. But then when you change the camera angle, you see the guy was swinging about two feet away from the guy, no possibility of hitting him, and the bad guy who's the actor was selling the idea that he was being hit. Actually, I can see one interesting possible side effect if the gym really was creative. So, yeah, there's a building five blocks away, and you do that trick of... It's reaching out, boom, and plump, 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 and now you're five stories tall. Because if you go further away, you're getting smaller. You get closer up, you're getting bigger. How big are you really? You don't know until you try. I mean, you, you can theoretically go, okay, I'm, I'm getting closer, I'm getting closer, I'm getting closer, and then, you know, all of a sudden you're, like, really, really big. Yeah. I mean, that's things you could do if you were two-dimensional and stayed two-dimensional. You could theoretically go through a lens, you know, and then suddenly become enormously big or, or enormously small. And they've done that also in cartoons. If you could go through the thinnest of, of cracks, you could go. You could slide yourself underneath a door. Yeah. Uh, uh, you could still interact with somebody who's a tune. You can high five somebody who's a tune. He just basically puts his little tune hand up, and you can smack it. You know, and you can you could kiss a tune. You could do a lot of things with a tune, you know, but you couldn't wrap your arms around a tune because he's two-dimensional if he's in that state, unless he is a freestanding two-dimensional tune, like you mentioned. Uh, can you think of anything else you could do uh, being two-dimensional? Well, not have a great characterization, but... Uh... <laughs> Thanks, John. <laughs> hey, we got to do bad jokes in this one, you know. If you are a two-dimensional object, you could possibly be rolled up into three-dimensional space and carried around that way. Or folded up, put into an envelope, mailed someplace. Folding up, I always thought, would be a little bit too violent. But you could, for, for example, you could move on to uh, like a, uh, a piece of paper, and they could roll that up and put it into a tube, and you could do whatever. You wouldn't ha- would you have to breathe? I mean, you would probably be immune to, uh, to any kind of a gas attack. We might want to bring that up under tune physics. Okay. I just wanted to bring that up so that people could say, you know, hey, you don't have to be, you know, the three-dimensional tune in the three-dimensional world. You can still do cool stuff with a two-dimensional tune in the three-dimensional world. You have to abide by their limitations they have to gain their advantages. We have this tune world. What happens when a Meller enters it? And I'm not, I don't care whether it's a old Meller or, or a master Meller or whatever. When a Meller enters that world and tries to, well get some DNA and some memories. What happens? Oh. Now, in a tune verse, I can see actually see this happening. He shakes the hand, he gets the, the DNA, he whatever the tune DNA is like, whatever it is, gets the memories, and then he transforms. But, 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 but the way he transforms is the way you normally see it in tune verses. Say to Sammy Sam. Well, he's got the mustache, he's got the hat... Bushy eyebrows, you know, he's wearing the clothes. He's still a Miller. But he's got the mustache and the hat and so forth, but the skin color is still Miller. But everyone looks at him and says, oh, hi, Yosemite. Because that's the way it works in those universes. One of the rules is is that all disguises are, are very effective. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, ridiculously simple disguises are totally impenetrable by other tunes. He stands seven foot tall, but he's got the hat and the mustache, eyebrows. Yeah, he's Yosemite Sam. Yeah, he's Yosemite Sam. There you go. (laughs) 
All right, so let's just go ahead and move on to tune physics so Richard can participate uh, with some of his crazy notions about tune physics. We've compiled a list of about 30 or 40 different things that we've noticed just looking at tunes. The differences between them and what you consider be normal reality. That one line from Roger Rabbit, though, it pretty much encapsulates most of these laws. I can only do it if it's funny. Right. One of the rules is is that you can do an impossible thing if it's funny when you do it. But that's really vague. You know, I mean, what he did in the particular situation was he was wearing a handcuff and he just pulled his hand out. And then held it so Eddie Valen could actually cut the handcuffs. He pulled his hand out to help the person do something and then at the end of it you'd put your hand back in the handcuff. The human character was really mad at him. He said, you could take it out any time? And his response was, only if it's funny. That's a rule that allows you to do a lot of really crazy stuff because if you can do it in a way that's funny, you can get away with almost anything. The first thing that I brought up was what can actually hurt a tune or what can kill a tune? Because as you read in the description, Trav, it said that they're very hard to heal, kill and they're, they, they heal very, very rapidly. Yeah, you can drop an anvil on one, it's no problem. Yeah, they shake it off. Yeah, they flatten and they spring back to form. Or the, you shoot them full of bullets, and for a second they look like Swiss cheese. Or if you blow them up, they're a pile of ash with blinking eyes, you know. And yeah. then they reconstitute. Sometimes they have to blow into their thumb and reinflate themselves. Ah, uh, yeah. But as, I, as you see sometimes in a uh, Tweety and, uh, and Sylvester cartoon, sometimes Sylvester dies. You can see his ghost come out and float away. It says, like, number five, number six. You know. Well, yeah, that's because he has multiple lives. Yeah. Right. But most of the time, they just shake it off. Whatever it happens, you know, you, you're ultimately, you're defeated because you, you give up. And you usually you run off into the distance or you, you know, submit yourself to the guy who has more, better kung fu than you do. <laughs> turn, turn over a leaf, throw yourself into the police, whatever it might be. But even the Roadrunner and the Coyote, I mean, all the things that have happened to him you know, almost never dies. Now, there's, two possi- there's a couple possibilities I think could actually kill a tune. One is you rarely, rarely ever see a cutting weapon being used against a tune. So I, I wonder if a tune being a two-dimensional, it's possible that he could be cut. I've seen multiple cartoons where tunes are cut in half, they're cut into slices. Okay. They all seem to just seem to go back together again. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the old uh the old one where it's the little kitten and then the panther would be there and he's like, "All right, scratch me. Come on, scratch me." The panther comes out, cuts him into slices and he just falls over like sliced bread. <laughs> Okay. Or baloney, one or the other. Right. Uh, <laughs> a, a universal would be a tune only dies when they are forgotten. We've seen that they can be stunned, they can be bludgeoned, they can be exploded, they can be electrified, burned, crushed. I'm not sure they can be pierced, though, because usually when you try to pierce a tune, they end up taking the shape of the piercing object. Well, no, because there's, there's many examples of guy being guy being walking through a hail of bullets, walking over to the water barrel, getting a big glass and taking a drink, and sprinkler time! <sighs> but you don't actually see that happen. Usually I'm saying when someone comes over and stabs you with something, 
what happens is it doesn't come out the other side. You just get the, the tenting effect of the object going into you. Yeah, like yeah. Mr. Fantastic, yeah. Yeah. Actually, I can think of, uh, there's probably one way to die, and that's if the artist comes down and erases you. Oh, God. The, the... That is the ultimate form, is, is being erased, yeah. Though, uh, a couple of times, they, they just had the voice still remaining, didn't they? Yeah. Right. The only thing that I think could possibly kill a tune that hasn't ever been shown on a cartoon, I've never seen it, and that's a nuclear explosion. Uh, no, there's been one of those. Where is that? I think it was a Tom and Jerry. No, I'm pretty sure I've, I've never seen a nuclear explosion in Tom and Jerry. I've seen x-rays. A critter had eaten some sort of nuclear device, and please don't drop it, it'll ex- explode and detonate. Where Tom, at the end, you hear the radio guy... Well, we found out that the mouse is actually not harmful. And Tom, in a very ghostly voice, goes, Don't you believe it? Uh, Yes. (laughs) So it's up to the GM to decide whether tunes can be killed, because ultimately there's a lot of evidence that you just simply cannot kill a tune outside of what was suggested in Roger Rabbit, which was if if you basically dip them into a mix of turpentine, acetate, and benzene, otherwise known. Please, please, let yeah. me do the line. Oh my god, it's death! <laughs> oh, that was That was cleansing, thank you. But those things are actually solvents. They're all paint solvents. Exactly. Yeah. And the Who Framed Roger Rabbit, they were all still paint, even though they were in a three-dimensional space. They even talked about it one time that they had the paint from his glove on the, the the knife or the gun that killed somebody, and uh, that's why they were looking for him. In the three-dimensional world, the tunes in Who Framed Roger Rabbit, they're still paint, so therefore a highly toxic, corrosive solvent could theoretically destroy them. You probably can't kill tunes in the tune world, but when they come out, they can become much more vulnerable. Oh, no, oh, oh, when they, when they come out, they're fair game. I mean, you would would have to give a tune a weakness because if not then all the fringe where the then all the players are going to say well just make me a tune I just want to be a tune make me a tune I want to be a tune we can't die we disease yeah and we're going to have regeneration and it's like yeah you would have to just for game balance whatever system you may use you would have to give them weaknesses but it would have to be the very inventive player to go okay well let's see (laughs) or what was the line from farscape dr chuck jones wrote the book on this type of science fiction yeah well that's one of the reasons why you would enforce that 18 hour limitation because they are in a sense well not invulnerable but they're uh nigh invulnerable (laughs) yeah yes (laughs) I mean, you know, what could happen is that as it gets toward the end of the 18 hours, they're all sentient creatures. Therefore, the friend, the path is not going to screw them over that that badly. They're there by choice. They're there by choice. But I would imagine there, there's probably were tune worlds in the Commonwealth, and they weren't screwed over. Double, double dog guarantee they weren't screwed over. You know, you, you don't want a whole world of tunes with the big system in operation getting ticked off because they, they die when, and after 18 hours going someplace else. We have never talked about this very much as far as these places that are so unusual, whether there's a possibility of having portable reality generators that you can take around with you. They exist in the, uh, uh, in the Bureau 13 world. We know them because they were in one of the modules we published for it. 
So it's possible that they there are such devices that could be used by creatures going from a tune world to the rest of it. It has to follow by the rule of fun, John. Yeah, I agree, yeah. If you make your tune invulnerable, where he basically is stealing all the spotlight from everybody else, you violate the rule of fun. Oh, yeah. The Fringe universe doesn't protect him. But if he plays ball, then probably his bubble of reality might last amazingly long. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it really is up to the GM and how well and how the players do it. You, the GM can also invoke things such as, so you get hit by a weapon. Now it doesn't pierce you, but it scrapes your paint off. Now there's a hole in you. Ooh, that's not good. <laughs> you have to go find some paint that's the same color as you and paint paint it in. <laughs> I mean, there's lots of sticks you can use, you know, to say, okay, you've taken damage, but now you've got to, you know, do something about it. It doesn't just immediately come back. You could have them shake it off, or you could have them say, hey, you've got to deal with this somehow. Well, it's the old fade to black scene. Okay, the next scene, now we are doing this, and you're basically, you're healed, yeah. Yeah, you're all back, right. In some game systems, you have uh, scenes, so to speak, and so therefore at the end of it, it's fine again. In 4th edition D&D, all but your most powerful superpowers come back after a five-minute rest. Yeah, this is constantly in a lot of games. Yeah, Uh, I can imagine a tune walking around holding an arm because, well, it got cut off. Right, well, he has to... Glue it back on, right, you know, or something. Or, or tape it back on, or you know, get the right kind of tape. He's duct tape a healing from uh, Nodwick, yeah. Well, he's got, he's got to tape it on, but also he's got to paint, paint the seam over. So, you know, you got to do a bunch of things. So it's not, it's not just, in our, you know... Of course, being a tune arm, it's still, it's still active and animated, getting in trouble. Uh. <laughs> the other possibility is is that, you know, you lose the tomb arm, it disappears, but to get it back, you have to blow into your thumb again, and then it pops out. But it may only work on the Toon World, so you have to go back home to heal yourself. Well, that's where the GM has to decide how crazy you're willing to let the Toons get off of their world. Okay. Well, let's talk some more about some of the physics of uh, how Toons are different. Toons are empty inside. You, basically, you can tip the head of a tune back and fill them full of impossible things, and they just get bigger and bigger and bigger. Unless because you slice, like we said, when when the that one dog, when that one bulldog got sliced by the panther, he was not hollow. He had a filling. What was his filling? Red. Yeah, it kind of looked like sliced meat. Yeah. Yeah, like sliced bologna. Yeah. But if you take a tune, okay, and he runs into, let's say, someone's fist. And the, the guy's fist goes all the way down into the middle, of, you know, the middle of his belly. And then he pulls it back out. And the tune might be a little woozy about it, but he hasn't lost anything. There hasn't been any long-term injury inside. What you're saying is tunes are infinitely flexible. Right. Yeah. They have mass on the inside, but it's basically you can fill it full of other things. You can uh, cavitate them. It's just as long as it's there. Right, well, that's what I'm saying. They're hollow inside. So, yeah, you can hook him up to a, shove a hose down a tune's throat, and he'll fill up like a balloon. The image basically works out the same. That same idea, like, you can inflate a tune. If the tune gets enough air inflation in it, they become buoyant. And if the hose pops and out... And if released, they're rocket-powered. Right. Yeah, they fly around the room like... Yeah. Right. Regardless of whether a tune has mass or not, they weigh what they look like they should weigh. So if the tune is six foot tall and has the build of a 200-pound relative human, they're going to weigh 200 pounds. And relative to, let's say, Tweety. 
Tweety weighs almost nothing because Tweety is small. Yeah, Bluto weighs probably about 400 pounds. If suddenly Tweety turned into Iron Tweety, magical spell turned her into a rock, then Tweety would become very heavy because rock is heavy. Or you feed Tweety Dr. Jekyll formula and becomes high Tweety, you know, six foot tall, you know, eight foot tall, big claws, and I saw that weighs 700 pounds. <laughs> oh, God, it escapes me. And I, uh, big red hair sneaker, gossamer, yeah. Yes. Like eight feet tall, probably about four or 500 pounds. Right. And sometimes this is hard because gravity is very flexible, very uh, subjective, or it's actually easily ignored in the tune world. Gravity doesn't make a tune fall unless the tune realizes that he should be falling. <laughs> of course, you realize you're defying the law of gravity. That's funny because I never studied law. Uh, exactly. <laughs> That doesn't always apply because there's Bugs Bunny tied to the uh, to the diving board. Yosemite Sam saws off the diving board, and the, entire, and the entire diving structure collapses. And there's Bugs Bunny still floating in air, and he knows, but he doesn't care because he's never studied law. Right, and the reason that works is because it's funny. It's funny, exactly. That's why it works. Okay. He, he did an impossible thing because it was funny. Now yeah. I'm reminded of the whole Bugs Bunny and Bruno. All, all those bits. <laughs> I'm going to dive into block of cement on my head yet. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Let's see here. Oh, yeah. Tunes that are normally good that, as their characterization will grow horns, like little devil horns when they're doing bad things. And when they're being honest after doing the bad things, they'll get a halo. Yeah. They're a bad character, and they've turned over a new leaf. Or if they're trying to play really innocent, they'll they'll take yeah. on angelic form. Yeah. But I, I noticed that in a lot of tunes, where a normally good tune is finally turned to the dark side momentarily and is doing a bad thing, that all of a sudden you'll see the horns come out. Yeah. Maybe a little goatee, you know. Yeah. Or the, the or halo. On the other side of that is also a halo here. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That would have come in so handy over the like you know past twenty years for me, but <laughs> <laughs> right, honey, it's three o'clock in the morning. Oh, honestly, it would have actually made my my well known bad innocent look actually probably work quite well. Anyways, now one of the things I thought was really interesting and and could be used in a lot of really creative ways is the fact that if the tune has a body part that resembles an an animal, a part of an animal then that part provides whatever function that animal's part does. So, for example, Dumbo's ears, because they're big and they flop like wings, he's able to fly. If you did something that makes somebody give, like, big owl eyes, they can see really well with the big owl eyes. Okay. But if they have little tiny pidgey eyes, of course, then, of course, they can't see well at all. That's why they have the great big glasses, like the Poindexter character. Which makes their eyes big as, you know, big as owl eyes. Right. <laughs> and then a lot of times characters will get like transformed in one way or another, you know, where they'll get some, like an animal part attached to them. And once they do, then all of a sudden it, it turns out that that part works just the way that they, you know, they would have thought it would have worked. I'm trying to think of some other possibilities. I, I think at least one case Bugs Bunny put like shark teeth in and started chasing somebody and it's like giant shark snapping. It actually it's more than just uh, parts. I mean the Wally Coyote got got a uh, Batman suit 
or bat guy suit, and he could fly like a bat guy, and he ran to a cliff wall. But oh yeah, <laughs> right. Well, a lot of the devices that come from Acme Industries uh, pr- can provide these same functions. It doesn't matter how big you are. If you if you're like a ten foot size bat, because you have bat wings, you can fly. If you had grasshopper legs, you could jump a mile. There was a classic lawsuit done. Uh, by the students at uh, Harvard Law, whereas the Coyote finally sued the Acme Corporation. And in the end, it turns out he lost because of the product misuse. Didn't read the fine print, huh? Put in, like, big teeth from another character, and all of a sudden you've got a massive bite attack, you know? Yeah. And sometimes this happens when when the tune gets deformed. Mm-hmm. Where if he got like smashed into a cookie cutter that made him look like an elephant, then all of a sudden his he's got a nose that works like an elephant. Whenever part of a tune gets changed into another part that's supposed to has a that resembles the functioning part, it actually works like that. Oh, here we go, Bruce. You wrote that num- number fourteen. If you can make a tune laugh hard enough, you can kill a tune. Yeah, that was out of Roger Rabbit. It's, it says, you're killing me. You're killing you know, you're It's the play on words of where people say when they're laughing, you're slaying me, you're killing me, stop it, stop it. And when it comes to a tune, it actually works. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Richard Tahoka. Wait, you see what's coming next. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at Tri-Tech Games. And if you don't, We'll be after your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav of the Travcast, Hour 3 of Blind Wolf's Rubber Room Association on DementiaRadio.org, Tuesdays, 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern.